podcast was brought to you on all major platforms using the magic of Buzzsprout. You can see our page at stayinthegamepodcast.buzzsprout.com. That's stayinthegamepodcast.buzzsprout.com. On that page, you'll also find all our social media links. But if you want to contact the show directly, our email is stayinthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Once more, that's stayinthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to Stay in the Game with me, your host, Steve. In this episode, I decided to use the title No Justice, No Peace. Now, that's a slogan that's typically used in demonstrations where the protesters are saying that until they feel justice is done, they will continue to protest and not allow the person or persons they're protesting against to have any respite. This has historically taken many forms, all the way from civil disobedience to outright violence, but that's not what I mean when I say it in this context. Today I want to talk about how when dealing with trauma, there is often no justice and it's easy to get caught up in that. The result is that we also deny ourselves peace by the reactions that we have, the expectations that we face that continue to be dashed. So let's talk about those expectations and let's do a bit of expectation versus reality. Let's talk about how managing one can really affect the other. As always, any views and opinions expressed on this show belong to the person or persons expressing them and, unless expressly stated, do not reflect the official policy or position of any other author, agency, organization, employer, or company. Okay, game face on. If you're feeling broken down, if you're feeling like you'll never be the same, join me because I'm getting back up. I'm going to stay in the game. So I want to start off by telling you what inspired me to cover this topic today. Now I was watching uh, Anatomy of a Scandal on Netflix. So if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. But this is a warning for anyone that may have specific triggers. The central theme of the show is based around power imbalance, uh, entitlement, um, and those types of things specifically when it comes to sexual assault. Or as it's still called in the UK where this uh, show is based rape. Now it raises a a lot of questions um, about consent and about where that line is and what role do things like alcohol play, does the line move in an already established uh, relationship and one of the things that's actually covered in the show is that you know in that setting in England it wasn't until the 90s that rape was considered a thing in a marriage. Um, and that's how you know much of a power imbalance there still was in those types of relationships. It was very male dominated. Um, so it really covers how difficult it is to pursue these cases when it's just the word of one person against another person. So I'm watching it. It led me to think about all the times that I've spoken with uh, people, and I I hate to use the term victim. Uh, but I've spoken with a lot of people about these types of incidents and I've always thought about what my role was in that because 
when I started my career as a police officer, it was always the same thing. Like you want to, you know, you want to help people, but you want to get the bad guy. Um, and as my career developed, the one thing that I found was uh, that I really thought of my job in very simple terms. When someone came to me, it was more often than not in one of their darkest times. Uh, no one comes to see the police when everything's going well. And I saw my job as being able to make sure that they were in a better place after dealing with me than they were when they first came in the door. Regardless of arrests, charges, court proceedings, or any of those types of things, I always looked at the human element because, and big shocker coming, I believe that there is little or no justice to be had in the criminal justice system. And what I mean by that is that someone being punished for wronging you will not wipe out the trauma of that act. It will not provide you closure or give you peace. It will not provide you support uh, to help you move on. So your trauma, your feelings and your burden, it's actually not really a huge consideration in that criminal justice process. And further, if you hinge your recovery or your ability to move on, if you hinge your well-being on the outcome of that criminal trial and that doesn't go your way, then that can be absolutely devastating and can really set you back. If it does go your way, it can even be worse because all the promise of finding that closure isn't going to come. You'll be likely left feeling empty because despite the expectation that you would feel good, you're still left holding the baby, you're dealing with the scars, you still have to work your way through that trauma. And that work has been sometimes delayed by your hope that you know, the, the criminal justice system outcome would provide some healing, and it just doesn't. The proceeding will have been a place to focus that energy and attention, and once it's gone, you're just left with how you feel. So this is actually true with all kinds of trauma. So we need to work on managing our expectations in order to be able to move on in a healthy and productive way. In my case, I faced traumatic events for over a decade and they cumulatively took their toll on me. I'd seen strides being made with regard to supporting officers particularly after a report was published citing an epidemic of suicide amongst first responders and particularly amongst police officers. So when I did eventually have a breakdown, the last thing that I expected was that my service would use my deficiencies brought about by PTSD following trauma in the workplace against me in order to try and terminate my employment. My first instinct was to try and fight because that's what I've always done. I also had some negative thoughts creep back in that made me think of suicide, but thankfully I now have the tools to deal with them when they do crop up. What I realized was that the expectation that justice will be done is a foolish one because right and wrong don't factor into these types of proceedings. Just as with the criminal justice system, right and wrong very rarely play a part. And particularly with disciplinary hearings where uh, in my work setting, the standard is based on a balance of probabilities and not reasonable doubt. So it's a kangaroo court. And so the outcome will likely not take into account any failings of the service or lack of support or questionable tactics that they have 
used um, during the proceeding. And so I can't hinge my well-being on that outcome. Um, even if I feel like it should go a certain way or things should be done, um, it's the same as the outcomes that I talked about earlier, is hinging my well-being on the fact that you know the right thing will happen, that justice will be served, that people will know right from wrong and choose right and do the right thing. It, it's setting yourself up for failure. So I feel like that's a struggle that a lot of people face. So we have statistics that show someone will suffer countless incidents of domestic abuse before they either reach out for help or things become so desperate that they just cannot function and help is almost forced upon them. Um, in Ontario, we have a mandated charge system, the uh, ability to use discretion where there is domestic violence involved is removed from the police officer. If there is evidence that there has been uh, domestic violence, then you shall charge whether the, again, I hate using the word victim, but whether the person that's been assaulted wants the charges laid or not, you will go ahead and do it because um, there are things like, you know, uh, trauma bonds, shame, fear, whatever you want to call it. There's a multitude of reasons why that person will say, you know what, I I don't want to do it this time. They probably won't do it again, or I'm scared of retribution, or whatever it happens to be. Um, these types of beliefs, they're not exclusive to things like domestic abuse, though. These symptoms follow all kinds of trauma. Yet, because of political pressure, the same supports and strategies are not employed in other areas. The public message is to come forward and ask for help. And, and that's in all things. But in practice, when it comes to particularly struggling with uh, mental health issues, there's still a punitive element to how they would be dealt with. And it's costing people their livelihoods, their dignity, and in some cases, their lives. <laughs> So the concept of justice is, like I said, when, when all is said and done, right will prevail. And by that logic, when you reveal to people that your mood swings, fatigue, poor performance, depression, anxiety, they're all a result of dealing with things that are massively out of the ordinary, things that have forever changed you and how you view and interact with the world, well, you should have people empathize with you and assist you as you adjust to that new normal. It doesn't mean you have less to give, just that you need to change how you give it. More often than not, though, people's understanding can run out when that means that they themselves may have to make a change. They can view your needs as a burden. They can resent that they feel like you're creating extra work for them as they've been asked to integrate your needs into a process that they've already established and don't want to change. They make it about them, and they may even make you feel guilty for being that burden to them, making it seem as though somehow you chose to be like this. And in this regard, you'll find that people have either not experienced trauma and therefore cannot relate to you at all, or even worse, they have experienced trauma and either managed to come through it better than you did or still haven't dealt with it, but are carrying on regardless. And that's a dangerous one, because when you get the people that say, oh, I did it, so why can't you? When you get that kind of mentality, 
that's the kind of attitude that can be really destructive and I've experienced that from some of my colleagues and it's almost as though you're looked down on as either being weak or people will gossip and say that you're faking it or gaming the system so again in those situations there's absolutely no justice to be had for you because people's uh, propensity to gossip or their preconceived notions of what you should or should not be doing or how you should or should not react will lead to prejudices and again you, you won't find justice in that environment so the last part i want to talk about on that topic is possibly the hardest because it's the lack of justice and peace that we give ourselves i've said it before and i'll keep saying it that we are our own worst critics we will judge ourselves more harshly than anyone else ever could and the problem with that is that every time you have that thought of why the why didn't i cope well enough why can't i just shake it off why does this continue to affect me these are the types of toxic and destructive thoughts that lead nowhere good in a hurry and having been through all that having been through what i thought was coping the the whole guise of shaking it off and handling it was just suppressing it and letting it all build up and that kept going all the way until the dam burst i like to speak of giving people some grace because we never know their whole story but for ourselves where we do know the whole story that grace is even more important because knowing what you know about yourself, if someone else told you that, you would absolutely be understanding of it. Why can't we do that for ourselves? Accept that we went through something that affected us. Accept that the resulting struggles are not a sign of weakness, but a sign of humanity. Let's give ourselves the justice of recognizing that it's a process to piece things back together, to get back up and try again and then stumble or fall but then keep going it's like the saying try fail try again fail again fail better in this context i don't like the word fail because talking about failure means that you're talking about setting targets and benchmarks and things like that were huge pitfalls for me i i was always setting myself targets i was always failing to hit benchmarks and it really took me down the wrong path but the message that's contained in this is pivotal so by all means set lofty goals but do it with the realization that it might take several tries to get there and be okay with the process be prepared to fall short the first few tries the steps that you take need not be big they just have to be in the right direction do yourself justice by engaging in the process and find peace in the knowledge that you're better today than you were yesterday, and you'll be better tomorrow than you were today. Now, I just want to add one small note here. I posted yesterday that I was delaying the publishing of this episode after the news that a friend had died, and Honestly, it was a tough one to process because for years we had been pretty close, worked together on a lot of projects, helped each other out outside of the workplace and spent time together socially. But my last interaction with him wasn't the most positive one. 
some things had happened where I felt betrayed by him and it led to us not speaking for several months. The way things turned out, there will now be no opportunity to mend that fence or set aside those differences. And the finality of that can be tough to deal with. But on reflection, my takeaway from it is that despite any disagreements we may have had, we had a lot of good times as well. And relationships always tend to go through you know, peaks and troughs. It's just a a sad fact that ours happened to end on not the highest note. But even with all that being said, I, I think about this friend and think about how he loved his family. He was an extremely proud father, um, talked about his kids all the time and is likely it's likely that his kids don't even know how much he would brag about them. Um, he was very heavily involved in his community and he helped make a positive difference in the lives of a lot of people. And on reflection, when all said and done, that's way more than a lot of people can say. So just a short message on here to say, rest easy, brother. <laughs> Now we're into the segment that places the spotlight more on the good than the bad and the ugly. So let's talk about why it's good to be us. Played in, as always, by Corey Marks. In a little over three weeks, my parents are coming for an extended visit, and despite my calm and collected exterior, I'm actually very excited. Not just because it's been three years since we were together in person, but because I'm not the same person now as I was then, or the same person I have been for several years now. Now, like most people, our family relationships can become strained at times, but something I've learned is... A healthier way to set boundaries and resolve conflict and I'm hoping that this will make the visit even more fulfilling. On top of that, when I was at my very very lowest my parents were emotional away and I'm sure they didn't know what to do or say or how to talk to me but the concern they had for me was something that really hit home and showed me that I wasn't alone and it wasn't until they actually opened up to my partner and she talked to me that I realized just how worried and concerned they were. Uh, so it really meant a lot to me to see that that was there. And I'm hoping that now it'll help us just build some additional bridges in communication to make sure we're even closer. So I think in trauma recovery, we have some great opportunities to redefine some important relationships or address deficits in those relationships in a healthy, meaningful way. Our ability to speak our truth, to be open and honest with people, well, it encourages them to reciprocate and give us the same in return. And I think this is a hidden reward that we cannot take for granted. Second chances at anything can be hard to come by. So using the tools and insight we've gained to strengthen, deepen and solidify the relationships with our closest friends and family will not only bring the immediate reward of strengthening your circle, but it lets them know that they can count on you as well. And also, 
it lets you know that you can count on them that you will never return to that place where you feel hopeless and alone because you can feel your tribe standing with you shoulder to shoulder and yeah that's why it's good to be us and that's a wrap for another episode of stay in the game thanks again for listening and please reach out with any feedback you may have or any suggestions for a particular topic you'd like to cover in a future show go to stayinthegamepodcast.buzzsprout.com to find the links to our social media pages or you can reach out directly via email at stayinthegamepodcast.gmail.com until next time stay in the game Thank you.